Hey guys, you're listening to the Braveheart Podcast. For more information about Braveheart Ministries, visit braveheartministries.org. A lot of this is, is in the book, and a lot of this you'll see is, um, some of this is not. And what we're going to talk about today is specifically um, the fall of man and the consequences. And so I, I wrote this out just to kind of make it, make it simpler, and I'll probably write this out maybe every week, because to me, this, this represents uh, the gospel story or the gospel message. And so, um, and I'll explain this in a minute, but the gospel to me is, is a, for the believer, it's this, it's this story that you see from Genesis to Revelation, right? And so the purpose of this class is to help you engage with God through the gospel personally. So how do I relate to God in light of this amazing gospel story? How do I grow up into God? How do I experience uh, the, the, the fruit that we so all want to see in our lives, right? Because if I were to ask many of you, most of what you think about is this, is the fruit or the, the, the result of your life having been given to Jesus, right? So this is what we all want. These are our dreams, our desires, the works of ministry, signs and wonders, family, all this stuff is encapsulated here. But if you look at this fruit, it is, it is at the tail end of a massive story, mm-hmm. right? And so what I want to do is I want to help, help you understand, um, again, we're going to go through this over the next, this, is, this, this represents the, the framework of this class, and so I want you to be able to see it visually and I thank you guys for grace because I'm still actually getting language to, to show this visually, right? I think it helps. Sometimes big theological things can be hard to understand, but when you see it uh, on a whiteboard, it can be helpful, right? So um, these four things, the garden, which is what we've been talking about the last couple of weeks, which is what, what God had with Adam and Eve, intimacy, covenant, union. He said to them, be fruitful and multiply, this, this is where the gospel ends up at the end, which is, which is union and fruit, right? So it started here, it ends here, but there's this, this massive, crazy story that happens in between. And so uh, this, these first four things represent for us, as New Covenant believers, the context for the gospel message, right? So, so we're going to study the context or, or what... Um, if we don't understand the context, we won't understand the message, and we won't understand how to get to here. Because this is where we all get frustrated. Grace, salvation, righteousness, union with God, relationship with God, fruit. This is where all the frustration for believers is. This is where believers lack vision. If I were to ask you, what is your, do you know how you're going to uh, continue to grow up in God and experience grace and experience salvation, walk in righteousness and, and bear fruit that changes the world? Do you know? Do you have vision for that? Do you know how that's going to happen? Or is it just kind of like, well, maybe if I, if I read my Bible enough and I fellowship enough and we've got these, these sort of things that we know, spiritual disciplines, things that we know are good, and we hope that somehow through doing these, you know, five things that are very biblical, very good, we see fruit, but we don't necessarily see how it's happening. Are you with me? 
And God doesn't want you to be ignorant of his will. Paul prayed that. He says, I pray that you would be filled with the knowledge of his will and all spiritual wisdom and understanding. This is that. This is spiritual insight for your walk with God so you know you can partner with God in his design. Are you with me? Because the, the promise, I'll just read this just uh, again uh, in First Peter. You don't have to go there. I'm just going to read it briefly. Second Peter 1, he says this. He says, His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. Someone say amen. amen. Through the knowledge of Him. Through the knowledge of Him. This is Jesus right here in the middle. Who called us to His own glory and excellence, by which He has granted to us His precious and very great promises. Everyone say promises. So He's granted us these 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 great and precious promises. Look at this. So that through them, the promises, you may become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped from the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desire. And everyone's like, amen. I want to be a partaker of the divine nature and escape the corruption that's in the world through sinful desire. Right? We want that. But when we see very great and precious promises, we're like, what promises? Tell me what they are. Tell me the specific ones, because it's through those promises that you become a partaker of the divine nature. So if you don't see, what are the promises? How, how do I partake of the divine nature and escape the corruption that's in the world? Well, here are the promises. They're right here on the board for you. And they fit into this gospel story. And so we're going we're gonna to look at those in the weeks to come. Uh, but today I want to give us uh, the context uh, in which... Um, in which these promises come. Are you with me? Does this make sense as you look at it? Knowing the word and knowing the scriptures, are you kind of seeing a thread here? That we have, we have intimacy in the garden, we have the fall of man, we have the unraveling of sin or the consequences of sin through the fall, and then you have Israel pop up through Abraham, right? Through, through Isaac, through Jacob, who becomes Israel, you have the 12 tribes, and through these 12 tribes, this family of God, God issues the Father promises Jesus to the world through Israel. Okay? The Father promises Jesus to the world through Israel. He says, Abraham, to Abraham, this is the gospel, in you all nations shall be blessed. Galatians 4, 6, he says, the gospel was preached beforehand to Abraham saying, in you shall all nations be blessed. Okay? So, so what's he saying? So you have to see that the gospel message that we carry is Jesus. We're representing, we're saying to the world, like when you go, how do I approach the lost? You approach the lost with these promises. This is the gospel message. These promises, the promises of Jesus. So the Father promised us a Messiah who would, who would deal with the, the, the spiritual death that came upon man. He promised us the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Acts chapter 1. Are you with me? And this is a promise of power so that you can know God, so you can be intimate with God, so you can overcome all the things of the devil. This is your divine nature. And he promised that he would return. And he promised all of this through his covenant with Israel, through the law and the prophets. That's the gospel. So when we, when we declare that and we live that, what happens? And someone hears that and they go, wow, I believe Jesus. I believe that. I believe he did this for me. What happens? Grace is released, 
And the grace of God actually save that, saves that person's spirit and they're born again and they're made righteous in their spirit. Amen? So grace comes, they're saved, they're born again, righteousness is produced in their spirit, and it allows them to be intimate or close to God, which bears fruit spiritually in their life. Okay? So, so this, these things, grace and salvation and righteousness and intimacy and fruit, is all an outcome of your faith in these things. So when I preach Jesus' work as a Messiah, this, is, this is, will blow your mind. When I preach His work as a Messiah, this is what He did. Guess what? Your faith can only rest in His work as a Messiah, and you can only experience the grace that's attached to His work as Messiah. Because His work as Messiah is not the same as the work as His return. Do you know there will be a different, distinct grace brought to you at the revelation of Christ that will save you? will save your mortal body. You'll get a new body. So there's a grace here at His return that's brought to you that's different than the grace that was brought to you with His work as a Messiah. So, so the question is, how come believers are not experiencing all of it? Because we've only preached this one aspect of His work. We've said this is salvation. Salvation exists with the Messiah. True. But it also exists through the baptism of the Holy Spirit, and it also exists through His return. Now this, the, what's so encouraging about this, is this all has to do with the Father promising that Jesus would work on your behalf. And when you believe that, you put your faith in that Word, grace comes. And like we sang this morning, He changes everything. Changes everything. You guys with me? The Holy Spirit is, the, is the, the substance of God. He is God who manifests the grace of God on us that saves us. Is this okay if we get this technical? Yeah. This is important for your salvation, for your spiritual vision and insight. So remind me your name? Rudy. Rudy. Like he's saying, when you get born again, you're saved past tense. When you walk in the power of the Holy Spirit and you understand that Jesus is praying for you today, did you know that? Do you know He's praying for you and that the baptism of the Holy Spirit connects you to His work as an intercessor to, for you? He's committed to sanctifying your soul, your mind, your will, and your emotions. So spiritually, your spirit, you're, you're, you're sealed the moment you're born again and you put your, your faith in Jesus as a Messiah. You're sealed. You're born again. You're going to heaven. Praise God. All right? But what happens is our soul, our mind, our will, and our emotions stays all, all distraught and torn up because we haven't had the word preached to us that our, that our soul can be saved and sanctified just as pure as Jesus. How many of you would like to have thoughts and emotions and your, and your actions, the, the will of your heart, be so in line with Jesus? How many of you would like that? Okay, that happens by grace as you go, God, thanks. You just abide in the vine. You're like, thanks for praying for me. What are you praying for me today? I'm praying that, that you'd be gentle and meek and lowly of heart like me. And that you would understand that my, I've put my, the power of my spirit in you to produce that. You don't have to try to be that. You are that. Like a, like a little baby growing in the womb of a mother, Christ is being formed in you. And Jesus is the one through his prayers, through the power of the Holy Spirit. He's actually getting it to come out of your thoughts and your emotions and ultimately out of your actions. So that when, when, when you're, you walk on this earth, they see the righteousness of God in everything that you say and do. That's fruit. Righteousness. All right. 
So let's, let's look at Genesis chapter 2 and 3. Uh, this will make a lot more sense as we unpack uh, what happened in the garden. Uh, I think this will bring clarity to a lot of us. Is everyone there in your Bibles? Genesis chapter 2. We're going to look at verse uh, 15 and 17. <clears throat> and then we're going to look at uh, Genesis chapter 3. I don't know how far we'll get. I'm just going to go ahead and read it uh, for us for the sake of time. Genesis chapter 2 verse 15 says this. It says that the Lord God took the man and he put him in the garden of Eden to work it and keep it. To work it and keep it. And the Lord God commanded the man saying, you may surely eat of every tree of the garden. Say every tree. tree. But of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. So then we see that God says it's not good that man should be alone. Verse 18, and I'm going to make a helper fit for him. And so out of the ground, God began to form every beast and every bird. And he brought them to the man to see if they'd be a good helper. And Adam began to name them. And, and they got to the end of all the animals. And, and it says, but Adam, for Adam, there was not found a helper fit for him. Interesting. Elephant wouldn't do, you know, squirrel wouldn't do. So like, what are we going to do now? So the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon the man. And while he slept, he took one of his ribs and closed up its place with flesh. Interesting side note. When Jesus was pierced in his side, who came out of his side? Water and blood. How do we enter into covenant with Jesus and become his bride? Through water and blood. So here in Adam, you see the bride coming out of the side. He's the first Adam. Jesus was called the last Adam. So you see this beautiful prophetic picture, even in Jesus on the cross, with his side being opened up. Why? So the bride could be come forth from him again, a new creature. So new. We, we've, we've been born now from his side of the last Adam. We're no longer of the first Adam who was of the, the dust and of the earth. You've, you've been born from his side, from his side. If you've truly been born again by faith, you come out and you formed from that substance, from the substance of God himself, his blood, his water, his body. It's amazing. It's beautiful. And the rib that the Lord God had taken from the man, he made into a woman and brought her to the man. And the man said, this at last is bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. Look at this. This is amazing. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. And the man and his wife were both naked and were not ashamed. Amazing. Genesis chapter 3, verse 1 says, Now the serpent was more crafty than any other beast of the field that the Lord God had made. 
And he comes to the woman and he says, he says, did God actually say you shall not eat of any tree? See how the devil twisted already? God said you can eat of every tree except this one. And the devil says, did he say that you shall not eat of any tree in the garden? See how subtle that is? He, 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 he paints it already. The devil said, God said you can't eat of any tree? Is that what he said? And, and she said, now look, now, now do you guys remember that God gave the command to Adam, but Eve wasn't there yet? Did y'all see that? She wasn't there. So we're about to see now, you know, the telephone game where you used to whisper to someone, and then by the end they say and have no idea what they're saying. You know what I'm talking about? This is playing out right here in, in the garden. God said something to Adam, and then in time, Adam related to Eve, and you're going to now see this breakdown in communication. And, and Eve said, um, well, we can eat of the fruit of the trees in the garden, but God said you shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that is in the midst of the garden, neither shall you touch it, lest you die. She kind of adds that touch it part, right? And so the serpent said to the woman, you will not surely die for God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was a delight to the eyes, y'all know that this tree looked good, right? It's not some gnarly, janky tree with all rotten fruit. Like this was a delicious looking tree. Okay. Just revisiting some of this. So when she saw that it was good for food and there was a delight to the eyes and that the tree was desired to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate and she also gave some to her husband, bro, what were you doing, who was with her and he ate. Like, what's up, Adam? What are you doing sitting there? People often ask, why was the serpent in there? What did God tell Adam to do to the garden? To work it, to keep it. Now, maybe I'm reading in between the lines, but I think the reason that the serpent was there is because Adam wasn't working it and keeping it as he ought. That he, he was passive with the word of God with his wife, and his wife was deceived. Because here's, here's what I want you guys to think about. We oftentimes jump to the fall of man and all the consequences, but we don't spend any time thinking about what man and woman was like with God before sin entered into their heart. Adam and Eve, to this point, they're not sinful in any way, shape, or form. Listen, there's not a rebellious bone in their body. God made them perfect. If, if, if there's a rebellious bone in their body before the fall, before the deception and the transgressing of the command, then God made them that way. And I don't believe that. I don't believe God made man with a rebellious bone in his body wanting to rise up and in, in, in triumph over God and live apart from God. You don't see that in this story. You don't see man going, let's, let's have a coup. Let's, let's overthrow God. Let's rebel against God. You don't see that in the text. You can't, you can't find that in the text because God made them perfect. And, and here's, the, here's the thing you have to think about. You have to spend time in the gospel story thinking about how was God with man when there was nothing inside of man to make God stumble? How was he with them? There was no, like, was he stern? Was he joyful? What, what was God like with man, with Adam and Eve before they fell? 
Think about the look on his face of delight and of joy and of ecstasy. And this is my creation. There's no sin. You have, to, you have to try to think, like put sin out of your mind for a minute and imagine the relationship between God and mankind before sin. Like the joy, the fun, like they're exploring the garden. There's no, and there's nothing like when man, when Adam and Eve were with God, there was nothing inside of them that was like, whoa. They were like, hey. Because they were, they were of him. Do, do you understand that? They were of him. They didn't shrink from, back from him in shame even though they were naked. Are y'all, have you ever spent time thinking about that? It'll mess with you a little bit. Because we don't think that way. We always think of God in relationship to our sin or to man's sin. That's why we have a, a stern view of God or a, maybe he's, he's angrier than we think he is. Okay? But that wasn't always the story. And so, so before we see full-on rebellion, we see the serpent coming. The serpent's the X factor. And I believe Adam was passive, which is not necessarily a sin in and of itself. You don't see you know, that being this big sin. But he was, he was passive with the Word of God. He didn't, he didn't really fully convey it to his wife. And through his wife, she was deceived. His passivity... And her deception equaled the fall of man. Okay? Man's passivity opens up woman to be deceived. And that combination before sin ever entered into the world is what produced the fall of man. Passive man, which made the woman susceptible. Her being susceptible wasn't a sin. They haven't sinned yet. Well, they they just ate it, so they did. But right before that, when the devil's enticing, they haven't sinned. You guys with me? This is so important to understand how this happened. Yeah. When a man is passive in a relationship, husbands, when you're passive with the word of God, it, it opens your wife to hear voices, to hear accusations. It's just, it's the way it's, the way it's always been. There's a, there's a, there's a strength in women who... who who I believe have a capacity to, to feel the heart of God in a way that's, that's just different than man. And there's, 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 there's differences between man and woman. I know in our culture today where they're trying to erase those lines, but there's differences. A man is different than a woman. And they're all, we're all beautiful in our own right. And you see scripturally that our strengths were meant to complement each other and that from the fall, that relationship between man and woman was jacked up. Hey guys, I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Braveheart Podcast. For more resources, visit BraveheartMinistries.org.